I'll steal it! No one will ever know! Hey! We're recording the podcast! Shut up! Good morning to you, wherever you are, because it is... For January 5th, 2024, <laughs> it's Friday. Friday. Sitting right over there is a woman I am marginally upset with this morning. Hi, Ashley. How you doing? Marge, pardon me. Marginally upset. Go ahead. Here's what. I got a bone to pick. All right. You want to fight? I'll fight you. Don't fight. No, I don't want to fight you today. I'm gonna, Ashley. I'm going to bite. In our relationship, I wouldn't say I'm a morning person. But I, compared to you, I would. holy shit, I'm so much a morning person compared to you. I got a bone to pick with you, though. Guess what I was doing last night at 1230 a.m. when I should have been sleeping? What were you doing? Watching YouTube documentaries about how to hold a Tetris controller. God damn it. <laughs> I was all in on ADS holds, hyper tapping, rolling controllers. It's I'm an adult. I have bills to pay and kids that are going to wake up in the morning. And I'm watching a YouTube documentary about the ever-evolving world of how to control a Tetris block. Are you going to train the four-year-old in hyper-tapping? I, he, it would have to be someone that young that can learn. It's insane <laughs> what they do. They hold, well, I'm not going to get into it, but you know, we'll put it in the link dump if you want to watch it. It is so much fun to go down a rabbit hole on the internet, but I have to be so careful about it, you know? It's one of the things that makes the internet great, though, is there's, in in just a normal offline world, someone would be like, oh, yeah, they have a special way of holding a controller. And you would say, yeah, okay, kind of like, uh, remember, was it Xbox 360, was it Halo? Some people would be like, I use the claw. Can I just say that I love being married to a hot chick that just, if I don't put her in check, she wants to talk about video games all day long. That's what you want to talk about. That and Twink Vampires. Those are your two <laughs> favorite subjects in fantasy novels. Favorite things to talk about. How do they how do they get so lucky to get this person? I'm reading a book called Orconomics. Hey, good morning, everybody. It is Friday. Congratulations on you're you're now what? 80% through the week. Yeah, I get through Friday, but Fridays, everybody's checked out. You anyway. got this. It'll be fine. You'll be good. So yesterday we talked about potentially just looping back around since the show does move pretty quickly. Uh, and sometimes we touch on things and then come back around. And also it gives us a great opportunity to dig into things that we talked about briefly and maybe even got some information wrong on. We can circle back around and see. First example of that is on Tuesday, as we were leaving the show, I said the furthest year out that I had ever thought of was 2032. There's some Unix thing that's happening in 2032. I was wrong. It's actually 2038. Uh, and it is a issue with the way that Unix systems, uh, calculate time. Basically, when they started the Unix uh, system, put it in place, that was zero time, and then it moves forward as a measurement from that point, and it's stored in a 32-bit integer, and so they're going to run out of time, essentially, in Unix systems in 2038. And it says the computer systems that use time for critical computations may encounter fatal errors if the year 2038 problem is not addressed. Some applications that use future dates have already encountered the bug the most vulnerable systems are those which are infrequently or never updated, such as legacy and embedded systems. That's it. That sounds like power grids and airlines to me. I read a really disturbing headline. I think it was yesterday that the San Francisco um, metro system, the transit system, is still running off five and a quarter inch floppies. We used to travel a lot, a lot, a lot. 
and we don't travel nearly as much. In fact, we talked about the other day about the plane ride we took with the EV. That might be the only plane ride we've taken in three years, two or three years, probably. It's uh, we've taken a few before she was born, uh, but not not nearly as much as we used to. Maybe once a year. The crazy thing was we traveled more. I think during COVID, when when it was during lockdown, because that's when we were making the big transition over here. What we should do, we should put in the Instagram account our photos of London Heathrow. And it's just empty. It was the most apocalyptic the pandemic ever felt to me. It, it felt like zombies were going to be coming out of the wings any moment if it was that empty. It was just like you felt like like a dystopian survivor. Isn't it weird that being in a space like that and having no one around us felt frightening? And I don't know. How, I don't know how else to describe right, it's that. It's like it's not supposed to be. This that is way. not right. Something's not right. And even if you've never traveled through London Heathrow, if you've seen the movie Love Actually. We have photos of that place where people come out and all their loved ones greet them, and it's utterly empty, and there's no one there. It was, it was very, very freaky. Um, also, uh, we talked at one point. I said uh, that Finn had a bed, bedtime routine, and maybe I would get into Finn's extensive <laughs> and ever-growing bedtime <laughs> it's routine. so elaborate. We've got to figure out how to cut it down. But please, go through it. I'm going to briefly go through this. So when we're settling down for the day, this is after dinner, we do about 15 minutes to half an hour of what we call roughhousing which then turns into what we call tackle, which sounds like me <laughs> tackling him. It's not. The roughhousing is like just, you know, wrestling around. You know, I actually have him like practice, like going into the guard and stuff like that. Like, yeah, like tucking his legs up so that he can like push someone off the yeah. top. His kid's going to be a wrestler. Then we do a cold plunge. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we do that. And then tackle is where he runs around the. He does like a loop around the, the whole house. The first um, floor. Can I say something real quick, okay, adjusting okay. to the UK? I, I already know where this is going, but go ahead. I'm never going to call the upstairs of any building the first floor. Because over here, they say ground floor, first floor. I'm on board with the ground floor. That's fine. If you go up a set of stairs, you're on the second floor. It's the second floor of the building. Uh, maybe they are preparing for the eventual sinking of all floors. And so uh, what is the ground floor is going to be an in the ground floor and the first floor will be at ground level one day. It's like, if there's a two-story building, you say, <laughs> how many floors are in the building? There's two. What's the second one called? The first one. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense. Anyway, okay. so he runs all the way around it, and then he comes at me and does a like a flying tackle. It, it, he, he really gets that momentum. He's it, going full speed. Okay, then we do that. Then we play a game, which is, I'm going upstairs first. And he falls for it every single time. Because it was always a fight initially to get him to go upstairs for bed. And I say... I'm going to go first. You wait here. I need to go first. And he's like, no, I'm going first. He's, he's, he's like, he's got to win. I love it. If Finn, if you're listening to this in the future, I cannot believe you fell for that for two years in a row. He's got to know. Then we play our first round of hide and seek and where I have to find him and I have to look in certain places and not find him before I find him because if I find him too fast, he gets mad. Then he gets in the shower. He draws on the side of the shower on the glass wall. <laughs> he draws emoji faces and then I have to make the emojis on my phone. Then we do what's called cozy towel. One of the things we discovered when we were on The Amazing Race was we everything we had for 22 days, we had to pack into one backpack. You can bring whatever you want, but you're going to have to drag it all around the world. And so we discovered like most of our like undergarments we wear, all of our like active wear, it all comes from all the research we did from that point in time. Yeah, and it's all this like quick dry stuff. Quick, All quick dry, yeah. And then we were in, for The Amazing Race, we were in Chamonix, France, and it was cold and we had gotten been in the snow, so we were all wet. And we discovered 
heated towel racks, oh. which we don't have in Texas. Go figure. And we have them here, and they're the best thing ever. Honestly, radiator systems in general, uh, when I was in the U.S., I would have been fairly down on them because I would be like, oh, central heating is the best. But I've actually really come around on radiator systems because you can adjust the temperature in different rooms according to how you would like it in that room. That's something we can discuss more in depth maybe uh, another time. You know, at some point, part of this whole thing we were doing out here, uh, it's a whole sustainable uh, initiative as well that we have for what we're doing. And the original idea was this was going to be the thing we talked about with people. Like this was going to be a project, our next project. But then we found once we got out here and maybe the pandemic played into it as well, we just, we kept it to ourselves. We were just doing our thing here and happy to live here. Uh, but we're always doing stuff like just a few weeks ago, I was out helping dig a well, lost a pair of AirPods <laughs> <laughs> while digging a well. And uh, yeah, maybe at some point, we'll talk about that some point in the future. But a uh, cozy towel is the towel comes off the heat rack and he just enjoys his nice hot towel. Then we do Ashley's favorite part, which is Minecraft Gremlin, where he sits and we, we play Minecraft and he tells me what to do. In great detail. Then I say it's time for bed. Second round of hide and seek. He's got to run and hide, you know, run to his room and I have to find him. Then we do pajama meteor game, which I don't even understand what it is. I put him in his pajamas and he has to run and put his head through the neck of the pajamas. He and like runs into his pajamas. I have to tell him how many pieces it broke into. Then he has to change his avatar. He has a school app and he has an avatar, which, which is a little cartoon monster that he can dress in different things. He has to change that. Then we do our points for the day. It's, it's a little point system we have where if he was brave and if he did his chores and the, if he works hard and working hard means he, at this point he has to work on either his letters or his numbers. So we'll do that. Then we brush his teeth. Then it's story time. After story time, it's funny story time, which is where I read a book differently. He like would have me a, read a story that he already knows. This is every single night. <laughs> now, Ash, we have a new one, which is made up story. Where I have to tell him a made up story. I just spin him a little narrative. Is that where all the stories about how like Mush came to live with us? That's it. Happen. Okay. That's where he's been talking about that. He keeps getting upset with me because he'll ask me for the story and I'll tell him. And then he tells me I get it wrong. So then toothbrushing is Oil in there somewhere. Knows everything. Uh, and then, uh, then he tells me. This is where the turn happens. Daddy, I love you as much as the whole world. He tells me that. Then we send voicemails now to Teddy and to Bubba because they're over in America right Bubba now. Bubba is JD. But, oh, sorry. Bubba is JD. He couldn't say brother, so he called JD Bubba, and Bubba stuck. Uh, and then he ends the whole night after this whole routine with, Daddy, I want you to leave now. <laughs> he looks me dead in the eye. He looks me dead in the eye, this light of my life, and he says, Daddy, I want you to leave now and go be by yourself. <laughs> And then I've gone. So that's my that's my nighttime routine with Finn. That is an hour every night. It's that we do. it's elaborate. We've got to figure out how to streamline that a little bit. Okay. And then uh, moving on to the Wednesday show, uh, we talked a little bit about the difference between sports uh, and the commercialism and capitalism and endorsement of sports. I looked into that. It's really kind of crazy. Uh, there was a great blog. It's called huddleup.substack.com. I love the. it reminded me of the early eras of the internet when you would go to find out information and you would find some guy's eight page web page about the Battle of Hastings and you just trusted that it was right because why else would somebody spend so much time writing about the Battle of Hastings? And it was this guy Joe Pompliano has this uh, Substack huddle up. We'll put it in the link dump, but he dives into metrics on the business of sports and he was talking about the difference between. Um, uh, sponsorships for jerseys in 
Europe and UK versus in America. Manchester United, they have a kit sponsor. That's Adidas. They have a jersey sponsor. It's currently Team Viewer. And then they have a sleeve sponsor, which is a logo that goes on the sleeve. So kit, that's going to be what, shoes and stuff? Well, it's just like it's on the jersey. It's like a patch up here. Okay. Um, I did find out from his blog, I'll call it a blog, from his blog uh, that now NBA teams in the U.S. have it. MLS teams, go figure, in the U.S. also have it. Uh, but now there's patch sponsors in the NBA. But overall, Manchester United, they get $57 million a year from just the jersey sponsor, the one that goes in the front. And overall, he said that... Uh, a quarter of Manchester United's $700 million in annual revenue comes from their shirt alone. Well, here's what I need to know about that. What's their click-through rate? <laughs> are you are, are you sure that that's the, is that a, is that cost-effective advertising technique? How many people are using their special URL to sign up for a deal? So what you're saying there is you're making fun of internet advertising. We're held to metrics all the time that other forms of advertising are not held to, right? Absolutely. It's like no one is, you know, go advertising on TV and then being like, oh, well, I'm, the click-through wasn't great. Because you just don't know. You just know here's the here's the audience size generally. And even that was a guess for a very, very long time. Still is for, you know, in, in some ways. And, and then you would just advertise and then that was that. And with internet, it's like the requirements are so specific and they're, they're just, they're held to a standard that no other advertising medium is. And it's very yes. annoying to me. And it has always been very annoying to me. For instance, there's no scene in Mad Men, the show about advertising in the fifties, where they put an ad for Porsche in GQ magazine. Porsche doesn't come back and say, well, how many people brought the GQ article into the dealership and actually bought a car? But that's the equivalent of what they do now with internet advertising. It is, yeah. You're going to laugh. The Indiana Pacers NBA team in the U.S., they have a QR code now on their jerseys. No way. Yeah, that's according to the Indy Star. That's actually an article that was just posted 13 hours ago. But in the U.S., a uh, big difference, too, is we have a lot of sponsorships on our stadiums as well. Like, for instance, uh, FTX. Uh, and I looked up their deal, the FTX deal for the Miami Stadium. Uh, it was set in March of 2021. It's a $135 million deal across 19 years. So, so that's about like $7 million a year. So now that um, FTX has collapsed, do they <laughs> sell the stadium name and then use that to repay some of the people that got scammed? Don't know. I don't know. I don't, mm. think, I don't think Miami's on the hook for that. So it's the Miami Heat's arena. FTX, of course, is the crypto exchange that completely collapsed last year. And there was a crazy story that just came out about uh, a crypto CEO from a, uh, an exchange, I guess, that just collapsed. Who might not exist. And they're pretty sure this guy doesn't exist. This was a wild story. So um, there's this exchange, it was called Hyperverse, um, and it just collapsed. And now they're saying that the the CEO, this guy, Stephen Reese Lewis, may never have existed. Um, there's like, there's his, his resume that says that he sold a company to uh, Adobe and that he, um, he had these like celebrity, uh, like Steve Wozniak endorsed him and all these things. And they're like, well, we think that was actually just maybe done via cameo or something like that. Cause none of the celebrities, um, who had these endorsements say that they actually like knew him at all. Uh, and no, nowhere that he's worked, nowhere that he, uh, 
you know, nothing that he's done, none of the universities that he say that, you know, he's his fake. resume he's, he's an imaginary he person. To, no one has any record of him. His Twitter account was made a month before he became the CEO. Wow. That it's, alone. I yeah. Mean, you would check that kind of thing, I would think. Yeah. It's like this. So this fake person was running this exchange, which just collapsed and lost uh, an estimated $1.3 billion. So the same thing was said about SBF, Sam Bank- Bankman-Fried. Uh, when FTX collapsed. That he wasn't real? No, that that like he was goofy and he had big hair and like the things he was saying were wild and people people kept saying, how could they trust this guy? How could they invest in him? And at the end of the day, I think most investors, what do you really know about the management? Like if I, we know, you know, people who run Tesla and things like that, but you think about some of the biggest companies in the world, like who's the CEO of Chevron? The the difference being, I feel like a lot of these crypto companies and all these um, tech based companies, they run off who is in charge. Like um, OpenAI is, it's Sam Altman. He's he's the head of it, right? FTX was Sam Bankman-Fried. There are companies, especially in the tech sphere, where the company is known by the leader. And I would say that this, like a hedge fund like this. Uh, would be si- similar to that. Doesn't, like you would know, you should know who is leading it, and you should know why they're in charge. Yeah, but like when I when people obviously invest in Microsoft or even Apple, I wonder how many people now could name the CEOs of Apple and Microsoft. They could probably very easily name the prior CEOs of both those companies. But now the companies are worth more than they ever were, and do people really know who those CEOs are today? That's true, but would you consider like putting your money with Gemini because it was the what's someone's twins? Winklevoss. The Winkle, 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 Winklevoss twins. Winklevoss. Yeah. Would I would I consider it? I mean, if I'm considering crypto in general, I mean, maybe. But it's just wild. Here's the world we live in now, Ash. This it's an imaginary person. Before, even when you had like uh, when Bernie Madoff scammed a bunch of people, they knew it was Bernie Madoff. You know, it was a person, and they could go after him. Now, here's an imaginary person with these anonymous crypto wallets and things are just disappearing into it, who do you even go after? Does this count as like the AI pop idols for tech bros? <laughs> that's it. It's like, uh, that's what Finn's working on. He's changing his avatar and his monster every night. He's just getting ready to go on the lamb. Uh, speaking of things that um, aren't necessarily real, another thing we talked about earlier this week, just touched on it, was cyber kidnapping. Yeah. So it was a story about this, um, this Chinese exchange student. He was found... Um, camping in like a Utah canyon. Uh, and after his parents had paid this ransom that equated to, I think, something like $80,000. Um, and this is apparently this cyber kidnapping is an increasingly common trend, which uh, in which someone is not actually kidnapped, but people may call uh, the the ultimately the victim and convince them that their loved one is in yeah. mortal peril. Uh, and sometimes that takes the form of like they've been kidnapped. Sometimes uh, I've heard really weird versions of it now where people are uh, essentially faking voices or deep faked. Yeah. yeah the, they're, they're deep faking voices and it'll come across like your kid is calling you and um, being like, Oh my God, I got in this horrible accident and they're, they're taking the car and I have nothing. Um, and unless you can pay the tow company this right now, can you, can you wire the the money to this right now? Otherwise I'm going to lose everything and try to get you in the, this high emotionally charged um, plea to just transfer money 
to someone that you don't necessarily know. And it was never your kid in the first place. They deep faked the voice. And that's what happened with this kid, this uh, kid who was an exchange student from China. He uh, was convinced yeah. that uh, apparently, I think that his family was going to be in danger if he didn't go off camping and like send photos and stuff. And then they sent the photos to his family to be like, he's been kidnapped. We have him. Um, you need to pay the ransom. It's wildly elaborate. It's you know, yeah. Exceptionally elaborate and really weird in a way that you, it makes you question what's real. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of things that aren't real, um, we were talking about the Minecraft movie and I was speculating that it had to be animated. No, apparently they're calling it live action. But what is a live action movie these days? You, you know, they also called the new Lion King live action. Correct. Yeah. And not at all. So live action is a is a fiddly turn these yeah, days. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast was live action. Lion King was live action. Yeah. Can I throw a theory at you? Yeah. Um, I feel like it's going to be real life. Like Steve is dropped from the real world into the Minecraft world and has to find a way to escape or something. And he's going to team up with other plucky adventurers. Apparently Jason Momoa is also in the cast. You know, it'd be a fun exercise <laughs> to go through and see what would be the recipe in Minecraft to make Jason Momoa <laughs> and Jack Black. <laughs> he was a gentleman the skin, bro. And then the last thing was, I told, I said I would tell the nursing story. I'll tell it really quickly. Uh, there was a story about a nurse who was, I guess, stealing fentanyl by and, then hoarding and it and injecting patients with tap water. Tap water, which if she had just used saline. Ster sterile saline, they would have been fine. But they ended up dying because she was using tap water. Come on, lady. Crazy. Um, but yeah, that I said that was triggering to me because there was a story that I told years ago on the Rishi podcast. But when I was in college, I started having panic attacks. And the way that first manifested itself was I just had a super high heart rate one day. I was organizing stuff from storage boxes. And I thought it was the dust. I was breathing in the dust or something. I don't know what it was. And all of a sudden, I had like 130, 140 heart rate sitting in my living room just organizing boxes. And I thought, okay, I'll go take a shower. This will pass. It didn't pass. And so I ended up going to the emergency room. They did a blood test. Long story short, they saw my potassium was low. And <laughs> they came in. They gave me this gigantic pill. And the nurse watched me take it. She sat there watching me take it. And I said, so this is just potassium? She goes, yeah. And I took it. And I said, so can I just eat? bananas or whatever she said no she goes this is more of a, a fast delivery of it and we have to be really careful with it because you know it's uh you know uh it affects your heart rate so we have to be careful about how we actually give it to you in a very precise dose and i said okay and then she says completely unprompted she says yeah if you ever hear about a nurse killing one of their patients that's that's what they gave them usually and then she walked turned and walked out of the room. Oh my God, she's the ultimate troll. I was there for a panic attack. And <laughs> she's tell, she tells what she tells me. I almost lost my mind. I thought I was going to die. I really, I was already in such a state as it was. I can remember her saying that and turning on her heel and leaving. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you, lady? Okay, Ash, well, that's our week in review catch-up roundup. I think we're going a little bit long here. So any closing thoughts? Uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's joined us for the launch so far. Um, thank you for listening on Spotify, for following the show and clicking the bell and leaving a rating. All that's helped us thank out you. so much um, to have a strong launch so that hopefully um, more listeners can find us. Um, it's been really fun to just see what everyone thinks and to have you all join us on our audio journey. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the timing of starting this podcast, I'd be lying if I say it wasn't affected by some of the things we talked about today. You know, there's AI fake CEOs, deep fake kidnappings, 
you know, what the future of entertainment is going to be is really radically changing by the developments in the AI world. And who knows how much longer humans will be doing this. And so that affected my decision to come back. I don't know about you. Yeah, do all we can. Anyway, we'll be back to talk to you on Monday. We hope you'll be here as well. Bye, everybody.